Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Clive Urquhart. What I'm going to just share a bit about this morning, what I believe God wants to say is it does relate really well into the small groups, but it really is about relationship and the heart of who we are as, a, as people in a church, in the church. Um, so it's all connected with what God has been saying this year. I don't know if you can hear, can you hear that hum? Can you hear that hum or is it just me up here? Is it guitar? Is it... Somebody's humming. Sorry guys, just a bit. I'll just do this thing in one... And uh, <clears throat> as you know, this year, part of the theme as a church is, uh, is to see harvest, is about breakthrough, great, thanks, and uh, about break it out. Now that obviously has to start in our own lives first. Anything with God, when he speaks to us, it starts in here and then it goes that way. So when God speaks, we're not looking for something to happen on the outside first and then we respond. We're looking to hear what God is saying, respond to that in our own hearts and lives so that there's a release of God's word, whatever he wants to do, whatever he's saying, there's a release in our own lives so that then we see a release through our lives to others. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is not over there or over here, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is within you, within us. So when God speaks, he speaks into our lives and he works something of himself in a new way, in a fresh way. So it's not that God speaks and then does something that is not connected to him. When he speaks, it's because he wants to reveal more of who he is in us. And as he reveals more of who he is in us, and we grow in our walk and relationship with him, then there's a greater release of him through our lives. So we see his life and his power, or whatever he wants to do uh, through us. So, and uh, one of the things that's been happening, I don't know what you guys have been finding in your own lives, but over the last few months, as a church, as we've been kind of saying we want to press in there with God, we want to push into more of God, how many of you know that the devil does not like that? So whenever we move forward, he always wants to push back. Because when we go forward, we're taking ground. We're seeing new things happen in our own lives. We want to see a great release of God around our lives. Whatever that is, in our home, in our workplace, our family, in the community, wherever that is. And the enemy doesn't like that, and so he tries to push back. But when he does that, what do we do? We continue to go forward and push continue to push into what God is doing, right? Is that okay? And, uh, but what that can do, it can bring up all kinds of things in us. So when everything's kind of peaceful and nice and we're doing okay and, you know, we're kind of cruising along in a certain gear in our life, there doesn't seem to be much pushback. But when we really begin to press in to God in a fresh way, not just in our own lives, but together as a people, then the enemy wants to push back. And that can bring up certain things. It can bring up insecurities. It can bring up fears. It can bring up some doubts, some challenges. Because what the enemy wants to do, he wants to cause us to fear going forward. Now what does fear do? Fear cripples. Fear stops people in their tracks from going forward. And for me personally, over the last few months, some of the things that God is speaking to 
not just to us as a church in terms of uh, what we're doing day in, day out, but some of the things that God wants us to be involved in. And maybe initially, Jane and I uh, are a bit more at the front end of that, but, but what it does in terms of opening opportunities up for us as a church in terms of what God wants to do and how he wants us to impact things beyond our respective congregations and community. There's, there's one or two things that <clears throat> Jane and I are involved in and, uh, or, or we're organising as Kingdom Faith. And <clears throat> some, of the, some of the context of that is, is more than just what we're doing as a church. It's in another context working with ambassadors, it's working with uh, the Jewish community in the UK. Uh, it's connected with uh, greater authorities than that outside of the UK in Jerusalem. And there are, there's certain things that we're, God has spoken to us about that we've begun to step into. Partly that's in relationship with some of these guys. But also in the organising of something, when, you, when we're, we're organised something called the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast in London uh, at the end of next month, and what we thought was going to be quite a simple event to organise, uh, obviously we knew there's going to be some work and conversations around it, um, it's involved a lot more than that. But it's connected with us stepping into what God is saying uh, as a church in regards to uh, things to do with Israel and the Jewish people and, and ultimately God's purposes of salvation. And... <clears throat> The enemy doesn't like that, so he wants to push back in different ways. And in the different contexts and environments that Jane and I have been stepping into over the last few months, meetings we're having, conversations we're having, I'm having to go to Jerusalem tomorrow for two, two full-day meetings on Tuesday and Wednesday, all connected with this event and then things beyond that. And this process has, has brought up things in me. Uh, some of that is, is, is a few kind of insecurities and, and, and fears and anxieties. As you're, you're, you're having conversations with different groups of people that don't all agree fully with one another, but yet you're in the middle of that, responding to what God has said to help build bridges and, and for reconciliation and for relationship and all that going forward. And... <clears throat> I know I've, at times I've been anxious, I've kind of um, felt like, are we doing the right thing? There's been pressure, uh, there's been stuff going on in my head, all of that kind of stuff. And what I've had to constantly do is just keep bringing it back to the Lord. Because, it, you know, when you press into something and push into something and, and then some pressure comes back the other way, you can start feeling it. And then you can say, actually, do I really want to keep going forward? Because this is a lot more challenging than I thought it was going to be. This is a lot more, takes a lot more time and thinking and prayer and faith and everything than I thought it was going to take. And, and you know, if we want to break through into new things, not just so that we're more blessed in our own lives, but we see a release of God, you know, in the community, in Broadfield, in Crawley. Uh, in the 25-mile radius, out in the nation, beyond, in other things that God's called us to be part of as kingdom faith, then uh, there's going to be new things happening. So therefore, God will be doing new things in us. So there are certain things I'd obviously just got comfortable with, how we are as a church and the responsibility that, for me, personally, I carry and all of that kind of stuff. And you get used to that. You don't take it for granted. But you can get used to where you are with God and what is happening in terms of what you're doing and what you're responsible, what you're carrying... But when he says, hey, there's more, the, the more bit always sounds exciting, doesn't it? 
How many of you know the more sounds exciting? You know, God wants to do this, God wants to do that. Yeah, come on, let's go as a church. And then as we begin to push into something for breakthrough, for souls, for lies, for miracles, for a greater release of God, and there's kickbacks, sometimes you go, <laughs> is this what I really do? I really want this. Um, because it's not just about my relationship with God and does God want to bless me more. It's so much bigger than that. And this is about who we are as a people moving forward with God and then what's going to happen as a result. Whether it's reaching a community of people in a housing area just over the road from here or other housing areas in Crawley, whether it's a 25 miles nation, whatever it is, your workplace, my workplace and whatever context that we're in. And <clears throat> one of the things that God said to me it was, Clive, when you know that somebody totally loves you and accepts you, what does that do in your life? And I'm like, well, if, if I know that somebody loves me, you, you're not afraid of anything. You're not afraid of what they think. You're not, a, you know, you're not worried about what their thoughts are about. When you know you love, you're secure. And so in the context of the challenge for me, I've been saying, God, I want you to reveal more of who you are then, not just, God, please give me peace right now in the middle of this situation. It's like, God, reveal more of who you are so that as I walk with you, I trust you more in the challenge. I trust you more where the pressure wants to take over. I trust you more when other people are saying other things that conflict with what I believe is on your heart, but somehow we're going to have to navigate this in the right way without compromising. Are you there? And, and, and so it's like, so God, I want you to reveal more of who you are so that I know you more in the context of what you want to do in this situation or whatever it is. And, and what does God do when he reveals himself? You realise the depth of his love. Now we know the word that, for love in terms of the kind of love that God has for us and the kind of who he is, is agape or agape, however you want to pronounce it, A-G-A-P-E, Greek word. And we're going to delve into that a little bit in terms of what is agape, in terms of the love of God and the love from God. What is that? But then how do we express that to one another? So like it, it, with my wife, um, I know she loves me no matter what. Even though I can be a bit stupid, a bit of an idiot or whatever. My kids, I know they love me. So even when I do a bit of dad dancing, you know, whatever, at home, like with Megan, who's sitting here, just going to embarrass her while she's sitting here. She even bought me a little plaque saying, no dad dancing, you know, whatever. Um, because I'm, I'm, I know they love me. I'm not bothered about what they think. Maybe I should be. I don't know. Um, and, but in that whole environment, I'm totally secure. Why? Because I know my wife loves me. I know my kids love me. Do you know what I mean? So there's no fear. There's no insecurities. There's nothing to hide in that context. But what the enemy wants to do, he wants to cause, he wants to raise things up in us where there might be some insecurities, there might be some fears. What do people think about me? How are they going to relate if they know this about me? Um, and, and sometimes it's not that we lie to people, we don't necessarily tell them the whole truth because we want to protect ourselves in, in different ways. And I believe God wants to reveal more of who he is in our lives, but sometimes he does that through one another. So sometimes we have a revelation of who he is directly from him, but also at other times, and, and because we're part of a body and we're connected together, as it talks about in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, 14, it talks about uh, 12 and 14, who we are as a body, 
then we're interconnected. And, and every person in this room matters to God's purposes. Nobody's here by accident. You're not a mistake. You're not making up the numbers. Your life is important. Your life is significant. Your life matters in the context of who God is, what he's doing, and what you're a part of here in the congregation here in Crawley and, and the, 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 the wider church of who we are. Because uh, in the way we, God wants then to reveal who he is through one another to one another. Okay, so let's, uh, let's unpack this agape thing a little bit, shall we? John, turn, turn to chapter 13 of John, the Gospel of John, verses 34 and 35. Okay, John 13, 34 and 35. Just while you're turning there, uh, tonight's impact prayer down in Burgess Hill, if any of you guys want to come be part of that, at this stage of what's going on down there, uh, it's not a congregation yet, but uh, there's prayer going on there. There's an Alpha starting um, next week down there uh, in Nero's Cafe, right in the middle of the, of the town. Uh, we're getting people signing up for that. People are, are getting some friends, inviting and, and bringing them to that. But, but tonight's impact is about praying for Burgess Hill, seeing, you know, for breakthrough, for release, and, and just beginning to sow stuff into that town, ready for what God, what's going to happen in the autumn when we really establish that as a congregation. So if anybody wants to be part of that, then you know, come and join us tonight at, uh, down there, 7.30 I think it is, um, whatever hall it was, I don't know, at Cyprus Hall, yeah, it's in the middle of town. Um, okay, John 13, 34 and 35, this is what Jesus said to these guys, to his disciples. He said, a new command I give you. Now, the word command there actually means to give a charge to. So he's saying, I- I'm charging you with this kind of commission. I'm, I'm charging you. I'm giving you a charge. To, uh, uh, and, and then he says, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Another word for command there is a prescription. It's like Jesus saying, I'm giving you a prescription here. Love one another. And as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And if you do that, then the world is going to see something. So it's like a prescription for seeing people's lives changed. It's a prescription for salvation, according to what Jesus is is saying here. Now, God never asks us to do something without giving us the ability to do it. So God never asks us or commands us to do something and then says, see how you get on, do it in your own strength. He'll only give us a command if he then empowers us and gives us whatever we need to be able to then live that. He'll never ask us to do something he's not doing himself. So the word there for love in that verse is the word agape, A-G-A-P-E. And agape is the love of God and it's the love that comes from God. So that agape is not born of emotion or affection. That's filio love, okay? So that kind of love that we have, the natural love we have for one another, is, is born out of emotion and affection. That's, that's called filio in the Bible. Also, God's love is not motivated by desire or what is seen. That's more the love that's called eros, which is based on desire or even lust, okay? So, obviously, we, often we associate lust with sexual things, which a lot of that, that eros is connected to. But also, you can have a lust for stuff, for things, material possessions, all of that. It's, it's born of what you see and desires that are motivated by that. 
But God's love is not based on either of those things, not filio, not eros. God's love is agape, because it's based on who he is, his nature and his character. The Bible says that God is love. So his love is not born of emotion or by what he sees. His love is born because of who he is. The nature of God is to love. And that love then comes from his will. So his love for us is not based on our condition and how we are. His love is based on who he is and then how he then gives and loves and expresses his nature and character to us. So often we love based on condition. We love based on how somebody's doing or how, what's going on. And in the natural, we would love some people more than others. But yet God doesn't love some people more than others. His love is complete. Now, whether people receive that love is another, another thing, but that's his heart, that people live in the fullness of, of the nature and character of his love. So God expresses his love because the essence of who he is, is love. So agape love, if it's not based on condition, God, his agape love loves the unlovable and the unlovely. Because it's born of his will, not out of emotion, not out of what he sees, but it's born out of who he is. So if he loves the unlovable and loves the unlovely, we were in that position and that state before we knew him. That's what we were like before we knew Jesus. We were, as far as God's concerned, if God is holy and he's perfect, and we were not, we were born as sinners, we were unlovable and unlovely to God. But yet, because he is agape, he would not leave us in the condition that is unlovable and unlovely. He wanted to do something instead. And because he is love, what happened? He expressed that love through the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever might believe shall be, not condemned, but be saved. Why? Because his love says... This isn't right. This is out of kilter. This is unlovely, unlovable to be left as it is. And so I'm going to do something to go into that world that is unlovable and unlovely. And I'm going to reveal my love, my nature, my character to this unlovable, unlovely world to reveal who I am so I can deal with all the things that separate people from me, so they have, so the way is open, so they can become acceptable in me, Amen. and accepted and loved in me. In, in, do you understand? Are you there? Okay. Agape does not look the other way and say it doesn't matter. Agape says no. Let's face what's going on, and let's work through it. And find a solution so that we come out the other side. Because where this is going is not just about God's love agape in us, in in terms of this way. It's how then it's got to be expressed that way to one another. Okay, So that's why it's important that love doesn't look the other way or brush it under the carpet. Or says, well I don't really want to deal with that because it's too difficult. And I don't know if I really want that conversation with somebody. No, love says, actually let's face it and let's work through it. And let's come out the other side. 
You know, when we face stuff, sometimes uh, we think that if we have to face an issue with somebody, that it's going to ruin that relationship. But actually, when we face things, and God's in the middle of that, it's amazing what comes out the other side in terms of friendship, relationship, and, and what then God builds. We'll come to some of that uh, in a minute. So his love is agape. Now, also, agape is what? Agape, God's love, is a covenant love. See, if filio is based on emotion, a lot of that is down to how we feel and how we're doing. How many of you know your feelings change? You know, sometimes you're feeling great, other times not so great, and all of that. And your feelings change. If uh, eros is based on, on what you see and desire, then that, again, is going to be changing all the time. So there's no consistency in either filio or eros. But yet agape is a consistent love. It's based on covenant. And what is, what is covenant? In the Bible, God says, I will never, ever leave you and never, ever forsake you. Actually, if you translate that in pr- thoroughly, properly, it actually should say, I will never, never leave you and never, never forsake you. It's stronger than just never, ever. It's I will never, never leave you. Never, never forsake you. And what, what's God saying? I cannot do that. I cannot go against myself. So it's like God saying, I cannot, cannot go against my nature and character. I I have to, because that's who I am, do everything through my nature and character. And so what is covenant in essence? Covenant is three things. Covenant, first of all, is faithfulness. Covenant is commitment. And covenant is an act of the will. There's three key things about covenant. So there's three key things about agape, the way that God expresses himself to us. One, he is faithful. His unfailing love. Second, his commitment to us. I will never, never leave you and never, never forsake you. But the third one is an act of his will. So agape is a, a position because of nature and character not out of emotional circumstances. Okay, this is going to be really important. So then, if we understand these things about his agape and how he is, what does that mean in terms of how we love one another? So if God is unfailing in his love for us, if God is completely committed to us that he never, never, and will never, never leave or forsake us, and if he's always acting according to his will in our lives, not the condition that we are in, but the will and and who he is, okay, then how do we translate that? If in the natural we can only love with filio and in in an eros kind of expression, what does Romans 5 verse 5 say? It says, God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who he has given us. So God has given us his spirit knowing that to agape one another is only possible when we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Another phrase for the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Love, or the Spirit of Faith, or the Spirit of Life. So we have the Spirit of Love on the inside of us, so that we can agape one another with His love. How many of you want, should we continue going here this morning? Are you ready for the, the rubber hitting the road in a couple of minutes? Or should we park it there and just say, no, let's just... Let's just do that, shall we? Actually, you know, God wants to go beyond that, doesn't he? It's, why is this important? Because what people get saved into is what they become. What did Jesus say? A new command I give you. Love 
one another. Now, they are, hang on a minute, we, don't we do that already? But then he quantifies, he qualifies what he means by that. He then says, as I have loved you, love one another. And they understood the word agape, because he said, agape one another, as I've agaped you, now agape one another, whatever. So therefore, he gives us the power to then agape one another. Now, another meaning for agape is charity. Charity actually means to put the welfare of someone else above your own. That's why all these organisations out there are called charities. Because the, the, the nature, the essence and nature of a charity is for the welfare and the benefit of somebody else who needs help in some way or other. So that's why most charities, it's volunteers that run them. Why? Because people are saying, I'm going to volunteer my time and do something for the welfare of somebody else before my own welfare. And that's part of what agape actually means. Putting the welfare of others before my own. What's a more biblical way of putting that then? To lay our lives down for one another. Recently, uh, Pastor Colin uh, brought a message I don't know, I can't remember when he was last here or, or, or whether you've heard this message or not, but he brought a message um, on one Sunday that I thought he'd come round with, but about, <clears throat> it's not I but Christ. That I've been crucified with Christ, I no longer live and it's Christ who lives in me. But it was like, my life, I, it's not I but Christ. What, what he basically was talking about was being, if we've died to ourselves then there's things that happen in life that don't get a reaction from us. Instead, we respond. And so, one of the things that I felt, you know, in relation to to Agape is, it's a really good test of, of, on yourself really, in terms of how you're doing relationally with other people. And we're going to unpack some stuff about do we react or do we respond in situations. So if charity means to put the welfare of others before our own, then in Romans 13.8, Paul the Apostle says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love, to agape one another. For he who agapes his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Now, we think that means the law, Old Testament, but actually what he's talking about is in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, he talks about follow the way of love. He's talking about the law of love, okay, the law of agape, of charity, loving one another before we love ourselves. And <clears throat> so he's saying here, if we love one another, then they, he, this per, if we do that, we have fulfilled the law. And it's like, wow. That's pretty amazing to make that statement about fulfilling the purposes of God. If we love one another with agape, we are fulfilling the purpose of God. Why? Because he loved us before we were even here, as we heard in John 3.16, because God so loved the world, he gave. And if we live in agape, what we're going to do is we're going to be constantly giving. And if we're constantly giving... We're not going to react in situations, but we're going to respond to people in their lives. How many of you know we're part of a body, the church? How, do you always get on with everybody? 
Is everybody like, you're all really pally, matey? Do you ever get wound up by anybody? Does anybody frustrate you or annoy you? Everybody's going, don't, don't look at me, don't look at me. Nobody's going, yeah, yeah. And no, you know, most people are going, uh, I, I, I should be saying no here, but actually, yeah, no, there are a few people. And uh, one of the ways in which God shapes our lives and works in our lives is to put us in the body. And one of the ways that he disciples us and shapes us is through relationship with one another. Because he knows we wind each other up in different ways, you know. It's amazing, the church, I think, is the most amazing collection of people. We're not an organisation, we're not a club, we're not a group, you know. We're a living organism of people. But I think the church is the, the most amazing collection of people because we're from so many different backgrounds, races and languages and ages and all sorts of things. And yet God puts this collective of people together and says, this is my body, these are my people and, and then he wants to change the world through such a collection of people. And you're, you might even be sitting next to somebody that in the natural you would never have met, you'd never be friends with, you'd never click or get on with. But yet the, the common denominator is because we have Christ in us, because we are born again, because we have something greater than our own natural life at work on the inside of us. We have this supernatural life of God in us. And therefore there's a connection with other people at a whole other level that there would never be in the natural Okay, and, and God puts us together in, in certain to help shape and, and work in our hearts and lives. So God uses people to help shape us. And uh, <clears throat> in, in my life at different points over the years, God has brought people around me that have challenged me. Not necessarily, um, they, they've not necessarily realised that's what they're doing, but by the way they are in terms of the strength of their personality or maybe the strength of some giftings that are in their lives. And in those situations, I might have been the leader in a certain situation and they were part of a team I was responsible for. But yet in that scenario, they were quite challenging because uh, I'll, I'll sort of give you a couple of examples. A few years ago, when Jane and I were leading the youth ministry in the church here quite a while ago, um, there, there were a few guys on this, on this youth team at the time that were amazing guys and quite strong personalities and quite strong in their different giftings. And <clears throat> one of them, although he was only um, about 19 or 20 at the time, he was an amazing preacher, amazing. And <clears throat> I'd get him to speak to the young people and I was sitting there thinking, where did he get that revelation from? That was amazing. And, and his communication and his story, he was just a really, really good communicator and preacher, okay? But there might be some other character things that weren't so good in his life, okay? But the gifting in him was really strong. And <clears throat> then there was another guy that was really strong prophetically. He could read your mail like anything else. He could just tell, just, he could tell you all things about your life that nobody else knows. Just that prophetic... Things, some insights he had, but that kind of stuff. Somebody else was amazing in terms of worship leading and, and again, speaking, preaching. All three of these guys were good at that and everything. And, <clears throat> and I, at one point, you know, in this team, I, I said to the Lord, I said, I said, God, these guys are all amazingly gifted. He's a brilliant preacher. He's amazingly prophetically. He's great at leading worship and preaching and teaching as well and this, that and the other. And, and, and God said to me, he said, Clive, he said, I brought these people into your life to help shape you and make you secure. 
in who you are. So I'm like, okay. He said, these guys might be really gifted in this way or that way or that way. And this is what God said to me. He said, Clive, you can lead a bit. He said, you can preach a bit. You can teach a bit. You can organise a bit. You can do, he said, you can do a little bit of all these things that are needed. But those guys, look at their lives. They might be really strong in two areas, but they're hopeless over here. Or they might be really strong in like this, but not so good over there. And he said, what I've called you to do is, is release people into what I've called them to be doing. So I want you to be comfortable in who you are. It doesn't matter if you're not as good a preacher or teacher as them. It doesn't matter if you're not as good at prophetically. It doesn't matter all of that. Because I've called these people to do all these guys now. are all doing some really good things, amazing things. And, um, but yet for me, there was this, it was like God was using these guys and the challenge that they were to me. Now, one conversation I had with one of them one day was I needed to chat with one of them about some of the character issues in their lives, and it's probably the hardest conversation I've ever had with anybody. And I was dreading talking to this guy, and, and I'm like, God, you know, he's not going to hear it, he's not going to receive it, full of faith I was. And uh, because there's things that he can see in my life that he could come back with, because of the strength of gifting in his life in certain things, he could see where I wasn't as strong in the giftings in my life that he was, right? And therefore, because of that, he found it difficult to receive some, some things that I said to him about his character because from a gifting point of view, he just thought, well, I'm this, that and the other, so, so why don't you get that sorted out yourself, you know? Um, which is not so much a character thing, it's more a gifting thing for me, right? But because, so I, and I sat down, we had a conversation. It was probably the hardest thing I had to do. But actually, it helped to shape me. And a bit further down the road, actually, the relationship, we, I mean, he wasn't very happy with me when we had a conversation. And, uh, and <clears throat> there were some things that, that he said, not in that meeting, but other times, where, where I'd made some decisions about something to do with the youth ministry. And about six months down the road, we hadn't, we'd seen some of it, but not all of it happened. And one day he came to me and he said, Clive, he said, you know when we decided this, that and the other a few months ago? I said, yeah. And he said, we haven't seen it all happen yet. And I said, no, not yet. And he goes, yeah, but if we decided this, what I, what I said we should do, we'd have been seeing all of this happen by now. It would have been amazing. So I was like, wow. And, and in, my, in, my, in my head I went, man, you're arrogant, you know, <laughs> in my head. Because he was like, if we decided this, then all this stuff would be happening. It would just be happening by now. And I just said, look, mate, I said, we, got to make, we make decisions with the best intentions from what we believe God's saying. But how do we know exactly how they're going to work out? We've just got to walk forward. He ultimately, God called him into another situation. And a, and a little while down the road after he'd been there, I got this phone call one day. And he said, Clive, can I have a chat? I said, yeah, mate, sure. And he goes, uh, he said, I came here, God gave me all this vision, I told, told all these young people, and we're now 18 months down the road, whatever it was, and he said, hardly any of it's happening, it's so frustrating, you know, la, 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 la. And I said, mate, do you remember a conversation we had about two, two and a half years ago? And he goes, no. And I said, you told me if I'd made all these decisions, we'd be seeing all this amazing stuff happen. And now you're in that situation, thanks, um, you're in this situation, you've, you've done all this stuff and hardly any of it's happened. He's like, yeah. And, and I said, do you remember all this stuff? And so we ended up having this conversation and <clears throat> he was then open for me to actually speak into his life then at that moment. 
So what are we doing? And, and he challenged me in different ways in my life that I had to really, I had to, and I had a conversation with him about that, how he did challenge me. And so it was like iron sharpened iron in those kind of scenarios. Now God wants to do that amongst us, okay? And there's, there's two responses we have in relationship, or two things we do. One is to react, or, or one is to respond, okay? Now what do we do when we react? Somebody says something, somebody does something, or somebody says, you haven't done this, or you said you're going to do that, and you didn't. So what do we do? Sometimes we get defensive. Anybody ever done that? Well, you know, we defend our position. We defend why we didn't do this, or we didn't do the other. Rather than saying, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm really sorry, I blew it there. We try and defend ourselves. Or sometimes we react and get a bit aggressive, a bit annoyed. Uh, we always want to be seen in a good light by other people, so sometimes we shift the blame. Well, actually, that wasn't my fault. That was their fault. And... And and we try and shift the blame a little bit. Why? Because somebody's pressed a button on the inside of us and we've reacted. We're annoyed, we're upset, you know, or or whatever. Um, Or there might be some insecurity in our life in somewhere or other, or fear. And because of a situation, we don't know how to deal with it, therefore we're fearful and we back off. Or we're insecure, so we don't really go there. So instead, we avoid a situation. We avoid a conversation or we avoid being honest because we think, well, if I can just bumble my way through, maybe the problem will go away. And we try and hopefully stick it under the carpet and everything's okay, I'm doing all right and everything. But, and so we find ourselves reacting to situations and circumstances. How many of you know you've got blind spots in your life? Have you ever had anybody point out something to you about you that you didn't realise? Am I the only one? Bloke, how many blokes here are married? Your wife is really good at pointing out your blind spots, okay? She's uh, brilliant at doing that kind of thing. But we all have blind spots. We have things we don't see about ourselves, okay? And, and be, sometimes because we have blind spots, when situations happen, we can react in a situation rather than respond. So reactions really come from things that... that if I can put it this way, are not dead in our lives. Where, it's, where we haven't died to those certain things in our lives. Not I, but Christ. And therefore there's a challenge that comes and we find ourselves reacting. We get annoyed, we get upset, we take offence, we blame, we start to criticise and we're negative. Why? Because there's something kicking off in us. So when we have a reaction in a situation, rather than looking that way and say it's their fault, it's not me and how can I shift the blame and I want to hide, what we need to do is when we find a reaction beginning to kick off on the inside, we actually say, okay, so what's going on in me right now? Why am I reacting? Why is something kicking off on the inside? Before we look at the other person and say, it's your fault, it's not me, I'm, you know, why, what's going on in me? And in our, in our leadership team for the, across, for the whole church, you know, one of the things we've been doing over the last few years is, is having these kind of conversations so that there is no blame. If we, if, we, if we mess up, that's my fault. If we didn't do something we're supposed to have done, I'm sorry. I, you know, and we don't try and you know, shift the blame, or well, I spoke to them and they didn't do it, or I text them but they didn't get back to me, or, or whatever might. It's no, 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 hang on. Let's just be totally honest, open, transparent. So rather than trying to hide because of insecurities or fears, let's face those things in our own lives, but let's help one another face those things in our lives. Why? Because agape doesn't say... It doesn't matter. 
Agape says, no, let's find a way through. And when you begin to relate at that level, there's an openness. And this is why small groups are so, so key. Because in those contexts, we build friendships, we build relationships. Small groups are supposed to be a, a, a safe place to begin to open up your heart and your life to others more. It's not the, the first week you meet up and boom, there you go, here's my life, you know, or whatever. Um, but you, 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 there's layers in our lives. And as God works in us, he, take, he, he deals with the layers of insecurity or the layers of trying to kind of hold back from the layers of fear or whatever might be there. And as God reveals himself to us, that's part of uh, getting free and living free, but also in relationship with one another uh, in, in that way God works in and through our, uh, our lives. So maybe in some of the small groups that are going to begin over the next few weeks, God's thinking, oh great, this is a great opportunity. I'm going to bring some people together that might not naturally meet together, but I'm going to work through each one of them to help shape and disciple and refine one another in that whole process. Because if, if there is no fear in love, and perfect love casts out all fear, then actually in our lives there's nothing to hide. So when we end up in a group with four, five, six, eight, ten people or whatever, and we're sharing life, we're doing this, doing that, the other, there is nothing to hide. So <clears throat> there can be reactions, and you might find you're going to have some in the next few weeks. But what's the difference between a reaction where things are still alive, when we need to face those and say, Father, I, I've got upset with that person. I've got annoyed. I'm finding I'm getting angry here. I'm finding it, I'm going to be negative or I'm thinking negatively about them. You've got to start with yourself first. Say, Father, I need you to do a work in my heart. Whatever is that, whatever causes that, maybe it could be self-righteous, maybe it's pride, maybe it's I'm better than that person or, or whatever it is. But whatever we need to allow the Holy Spirit to show us and, and, and come before God and say, Father, I don't want to live held by that fear. I don't want to be controlled by that insecurity. I don't want to, you know, be that negativity in my life. I don't, whatever it is, Father, I repent of that or would you work in my heart and bring change in my heart in that way, okay? So there's that re- reactive side, but there's also what we call a response, okay? We're going to close in a couple of minutes. Um, and if we're going to respond, response always starts with humility. It always starts with humility. Because there can be something not right, and, and maybe you have done something to upset somebody, or could upset somebody, or you've, it's your fault in a situation, or you've not handled something very well, or you've had a bit of an attitude about something. When, when somebody talks to you about that, you can either react and then get defensive or even aggressive with it, or, no, it wasn't mine, it's your fault, and start to blame. Or you can actually say, from, from a place of humility, actually say, actually, thanks so much for telling me, but I just didn't see it. I'm really sorry if I've spoken to you like that. Would you forgive me? I'm sorry that I haven't done that. I'm just, uh, you know, I ask you to forgive me, you know, and whatever. And actually start from a place of humility. What does humility say? I'm open to correction. I'm not always right. And, I, and, and that's what humility does. So what is part of humility? Part of being humble is to be merciful, forgiving. Part of being humble is to be gracious, to give people the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes humility is literally just being level-headed about something. So I don't know whether you get this, I get this, and, and something goes on or something happens or somebody tells you something about something going on, and, and my first thing on the inside could be, oh, you know, but actually I have to go, right, hang on a minute, uh, right, I, I don't want to react here, 
I want to respond in the right way. Now, in saying that, we can respond in the right way, but still have a wrong attitude. So somebody could say something to you that, that might annoy you over here, because after hearing this message, you might think, right, I just need to, have a, I need to respond in the right way. So respond, Clive, don't react. All right? So somebody might say something to you, and you go, right, don't do that. Respond. No, that's fine, don't worry. But on the inside, you're going, you idiot. You know, or whatever. Or you're going, well, I'm going to respond and go, no, that's fine, don't worry about it. But you think, well, I'm right anyway, you know, and all of that kind of thing. So even, even, it's not the outward response, it's the heart response that's, that's really important here, right? So what are we talking about? We're talking about agape at work in our hearts and lives. Because if agape is God's love, the love of God in us, and the love from God in us, then when, when something kicks off, agape is humble. Agape is merciful. Agape is gracious. What did Jesus do when they were accusing him of all kinds of stuff? He didn't defend himself. The only time he said something when they were accusing him was when they said, are you the son of God? And if he didn't say anything, he'd be denying that, you know, so he responded to that. But when they were accusing him of being this, that and the other, he didn't say anything. Why? Because he'd humbled himself. Even though what they were saying was wrong and they made him look bad. His trust was in God. God would ultimately vindicate him or whatever in a situation, okay? So in our lives, we, we, uh, we want to have a heart response, not a head one or an emotional one. We want one, this agape from the spirit, from the will, if you like. Um, <clears throat> but at the root of that, the root of agape being released and expressed through our lives is Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And we can never approach that from a point of view of, right, okay, I've heard this message, now I've got to go and try and do it. (laughs) We can't agape in the natural, because it's a supernatural love. And so our response today isn't isn't necessarily just a prayer at the end of of a meeting, but it's actually saying, Father, I thank you for your love and I want you to reveal more of who you are. Amen. And as you reveal more of who you are, that deals with fear, it deals with insecurities, it deals with stuff, you know, in our lives. And that enables us then to come with humility, to be merciful, gracious, uh, kind, generous, patient, uh, or whatever it, it, we need to be in a situation. But God's going God's to work and use each other to help shape and do stuff in our lives. So maybe even in your small group context, you not necessarily do this with everybody, maybe one or two people, maybe you've already got this in your life. You can say to people, hey, would you, would you let me know where I've, where I've got blind spots, where I'm just not seeing things? So like in our leadership team, you know, the guys that are in that, I, we've all said to each other, if, if we have blind spots, would you, would you show us what they are? Talk to us, tell us, speak to me. So, it, like for me, I might be the, the pastor, but that doesn't mean no, the guys in that scenario can't say anything to me. Say, Clive, you know when you said that the other day, yeah? Would, did you really, it came across a little bit kind of like, you know, a bit hard, a bit harsh, or it came across a little bit like, you know, or whatever. It's like, really? And, and sometimes I might not see that, but they go, yeah, maybe next time you can, can you maybe just do this or think about that or whatever? 
Now, I could easily go, hang on a minute, I'm the pastor, you can't say that to me. Or actually, I need to say, thanks guys, that's really, really helpful because that's a blind spot. And if nobody says anything to me, they leave me in a vacuum. And if they leave me in a vacuum, I'm going to repeat that because I don't realise I'm doing it. It could be about all sorts of things, you know, uh, and how we are with people. Sometimes, you know, one or two of the guys said, you know, when we have a certain scenario, you, you kind of, you have this reaction or you say this. You know, that, and that doesn't help the other guys in the room then because then they feel like, oh, if I say anything, he's, he's, he's not going to be happy with it or with me. Not they're thinking with, with them. And in my mind, I'm like, no, I want these guys to, to say stuff because I, 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 if they say something that I don't agree, I'm not going to think the worst of them. And sometimes if we don't communicate and talk and share, we leave each other in the dark and we leave each other in a vacuum. And, and, and then the enemy will jump on that and make a molehill a mountain. And then we think the world's caving in because I've fallen out with this person or they're doing this, that and the other. And, and we want to cut all that kind of stuff off right at the, at the root before it can even kind of grow into something in our, in our lives. So let's stand together, shall we? Let's take a couple of minutes just to, just to pray and respond to the Lord. 2 Timothy 1 verse 13 says, What you've heard from me, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, uh, writing to Timothy, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So God has put an amazing deposit of his love on the inside of us. And, and the word here says, guard that good deposit with faith and love in Christ. So, so what does this look like in practice? Just close your eyes for a moment. What does this look like in practice? What does agape actually say in practice? Things like this. I will defend you and not speak badly about you. I will speak well of you. I'll be quick to forgive you when, when a situation might arise. I will not take offence. Instead, I'll forgive. I'll serve you in whatever opportunities that I'm able to. I'll provide for you when you may need it. If I have the ability to provide for you and bless you, I'm going to do that. It's like, that's what, this is some of the things that agape is expressed through our lives because the nature of agape is to give how many of you know that a king, kingdom principle is uh, you can never outgive God the more you give the more you receive the world says if you give away you're going to have less in the kingdom it's as you give you get more it's just a principle that works but we don't necessarily give to get but we get to actually give and as we give you will receive God will make sure in that way. So maybe firstly, just wherever you are, just thank the Lord for that he has put his spirit on the inside of you. Just thank him that you have that agape love. Just thank him right now for his love, the love of God and the love from God that you have. That unfailing love. That love that is completely faithful, committed to you. That he'll never, never leave you. Never, never forsake you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe just thank him now for a fresh revelation of his love in your life. Father, in these next few days, Father, I ask you that you would reveal who you are in a fresh way. The nature of your love. That there is no fear in love. That perfect love casts out all fear. 
And different ones of us will, will be aware of different things in our lives and maybe some of the self-preservation there can be at times when we, we, there might be, we put walls around our lives sometimes in ways to protect ourselves because we sometimes feel vulnerable or insecure or there may be a fears, how, how are they going to be treated? How, what's going to happen to me there? And on one level it's like, Father, I don't want to live captive to those things. Father, I want to live your word where it says, not I, but Christ. Amen. Not security, uh, sorry, not insecurity, not fear, but instead love. Because what the, what's the antidote for insecurity? Love. What's the antidote to fear? It's love. It's not faith. It's love. Because when you know you're loved, fear goes. Insecurities go. Father, I thank you for that revelation of your love for every person in a fresh way. That you have made us totally acceptable in you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Father, we have nothing to hide from others. Maybe just say to the Lord, Father, over these next few weeks, and as I connect in with others in the life of the church, or in a small group setting, or whatever scenario, Father, I thank you that you would, Father, I ask you that you would use and work through others to help shape and disciple me. I thank you for breakthroughs that are going to happen in my life over the next few days and weeks because of what you're doing in and through others in their lives. As you reveal who you are to me, I thank you you're going to reveal yourself through others into my life. And I thank you for healing, for freedom, deliverance, whatever you need to do in me, Father. I thank you that you're going to work and move in my heart and life through others. Father, in the same way, I want to agape others. I want to be a blessing to others. I want to help encourage, strengthen, build into other people's lives so that they know they are loved, they are accepted, so that anything you want to do in them, Father, that, that, that healing or freedom or whatever you want to do, Father, I'm part of that, seeing that happen in others. I want to be a builder of lives, an encourager, somebody who defends others, speaks well about them. I want to be a responder, not a reactor. Let me say to that, that to the Lord. Father, I don't want to be a reactor any longer. I want to be a responder. Somebody who responds to you, responds to others. Not reacts to you or reacts to others. I want to be a responder. So Holy Spirit, I thank you right now that you baptise us afresh with your life and with your love. I thank you you enable us to respond to people in life, whether saved or unsaved, that we become responders, not reactors in any way. Maybe just say to the Lord, Father, bring to the surface anything that you want to deal with. That's, a, that's an interesting prayer, isn't it? Father, bring to the surface anything you want to deal with so that I live free, live secure, where there's nothing to hide. I don't have to project anything to others that I want them, you know, because people can see through stuff more clearly than we think they can in our lives. Father, point out the blind spots. Use others to show me blind spots in my life where... I don't live in a vacuum in different ways, but I live in the light, in freedom. We thank you, Jesus. We praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's thank the Lord, shall we? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.